This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Chiesi. Do you find yourself juggling multiple websites and clinical tools as you care for your patients? NeoCarePal is a resource providing access to multiple clinical calculators in just one place. To learn more, visit nicuconnections.com backslash NeoCarePal. This is The Incubator, a weekly discussion about new advances in neonatology and the fascinating individuals who make this progress possible. I am Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova-Barbeau. We are neonatal intensive care physicians. Welcome. Let's get into it. <laughs> I guess I'm starting today. I have a paper that I wanted to review. It's a paper that came out in the Archives of Disease in Childhood. And it's something that I think a lot of us are speaking about. We spoke about this topic with Anoop uh, Katheria on the podcast. And the title of the paper is Exposure to Umbilical Cord Management Approaches and Death or Neurodevelopmental Impairment at 22 to 26 Months Corrected Age After Extremely Preterm Birth. First author is Sarah Henley. And um, this is coming from the uh, Neonatal Research Network. Um, this is a paper, obviously, that is um, very, um, it's, it's, um, it's obviously very timely because we're talking a lot about the different approaches to umbilical cord management. The, the, the paper has authors that are again it's a very star-studded lineup liz foglia is on there michelle walsh is on there satyan is on there christy waterberg is on there sarah demoro is a senior author so a very serious group of authors uh publishing this paper um the background um is fairly straightforward, right? Babies born preterm are at a high risk of having neurodevelopmental impairments. Severe IVH is something that contributes to that outcome significantly. And delayed cord clamping is uh, thought to provide a protecting a protective option for these infants. Studies evaluating the relationship of delayed cord clamping, umbilical cord milking, and immediate cord clamping um, with a mixed finding, leaving a lot of questions about neuroprotection and neurodevelopment unanswered. So most studies examining umbilical cord management and neurodevelopmental outcomes usually are limited by several things, small sample size, single-centered cohorts with heterogeneous neurodevelopmental measurements um, and variable assessment time points. Now, the team at the Re Neonatal Research Network had a done a study about cord management in EIBW infants and so for that reason, they felt um, compelled to run this study and try to compare the outcomes of death or severe neurodevelopmental impairment at two years corrected, between 22 and 26 months corrected age, after exposure to either immediate cord clamping, delayed cord clamping, or umbilical cord, umbilical cord milking in infants that are born 
at less than 27 weeks of gestations. So far, so good. So um, for um, one second. Yeah, so I think if you are if you are wondering about the paper that the NRN has published, I'm just trying to pull this up now from my database where um, it was published in the Journal of Pediatrics in 2021. Um, and I think it was called umbilical cord milking versus delayed cord clamping in association with in-hospital outcomes among extremely preterm infants. So obviously something um, that made the rounds at the time. Was the podcast even in existence by then? I don't remember. Probably not. It was like the the first month that we ever started the podcast so we may not have had the opportunity to review it yeah we, we couldn't review all the articles <laughs> no that's right and so the study design is that this is a retrospective analysis now the neonatal research network follow-up database includes neurodevelopmental assessment of all eligible survivors born before 27 weeks of gestation at the time point between 22 and 26 months uh, corrected age. They included infants that were born either uh, between between 22 weeks to 26 and six 26 weeks and six days um, at any NRN centers between 2016 and 2018. Now, for babies that were missing an exposure documentation, those with congenital malformation, congenital heart disease, genetic syndrome, um, those who um, received compassionate care at the time of birth. All these infants were excluded for the purpose of this study. And um, in terms of the infants that received neurodevelopmental assessment, they actually excluded babies who fell out of this four-month uh, window. So if they completed an assessment more than four months outside the target of 22 to 26 months, they excluded them. And I... <laughs> Made me chuckle because when you're doing your mental research, you never want to exclude anybody. Like if you have one, <laughs> you wanna, if you, if you got you. one, you want to use them. So I was like, oh man, every single one. It's it's but, such an endeavor to. I know. So kudos to them to keep the data yeah. super clean. Mm -hmm. um, they determined the exposure to cord management with either delayed, immediate, or milking. Basically, the primary outcome of the study was a composite of death before follow up or severe neurodevelopmental impairment at follow-up. Now, um, the follow-up included a standardized neurological exam with a Bailey 3, and the follow-up subcommittee defined severe impairment as the presence of any one of the following, severe CP, cerebral palsy, a Bailey 3 cognitive composite score of less than 70, a motor score of less than 70, bilateral blindness, or hearing impairment. They had a lot of secondary outcomes, which were basically each and every one of the primary outcome measures. So either death, severe NDI, moderate to severe CP, the different Bailey metrics, and bilateral blindness, and hearing impairment. Now, what was interesting is that uh, the risk-adjusted association of cord management technique with the primary composite outcome were estimated using a complete case analysis and multivariable logistic regression. And so the re logistic regression that they used incorporated the following variables. Number one, the risk factors for death or severe uh, neurodevelopmental impairment identified um, a priori, which means that some of the factors that we know are going to cause these, the possibly increase the risk of NDI, these include gestational age, sex, race, ethnicity, maternal education, and antenatal steroids. Number two, they looked at covariates occurring prior to the exposure that were statistically imbalanced across the three exposure groups. So like if they had any baseline differences, knowing that this is a retrospective review. They looked also at birth year and this random, this NRN center as a random effect. Um, 
The last thing I want to mention about the methods, which is quite interesting, is that they created a pre-specified mediation analysis that examined whether severe IVH mediated the relationship between cord management and the primary outcome. So could it be that if you had a a delayed cord clamping and then had bad outcome later on, could that be mediated because you also had like a severe IVH? Um, So let's talk a little bit about the results. So uh, 2,277 infants so um, were born between uh, the gestational age uh, of 22 weeks and 27 weeks, and they met inclusion criteria. And um, infants seen more than four months outside the target neurodevelopmental assessment window were excluded. That was 77 patients. And those with follow-up data was uh, were uh, that didn't have follow-up data who were deemed lost to follow-up, that was 300 patients. So the final cohort really includes 1,900 infants. Uh, 583 died before the assessment uh, at two years, and 1,317 had a complete neurodevelopmental assessment. Now, compared with, it's always interesting when you're doing neurodevelopmental study. Look at who are you not studying. So when they looked at their attrition rate, they found that compared with the infants in the analytic cohort, those that were lost to follow up were actually slightly older, had higher birth weight, higher abgars, and lower rate of severe brain injury. And so I think it's always interesting to see based on your center if you're losing the sick ones or you're losing the the non sick ones. And it looks like in this cohort they were losing the relatively healthy ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think which, which is not uncommon, right? Like if parents feel like their kid is doing 100%. well, they go to less appointments. 100%. Um, now, in terms of what was this, their exposure, so in the final cohort, um, 64%, so 1,218 infants, were exposed to immediate cord clamping. So that was most of the cohort. 528, which is about 27.8% were exposed to delayed cord clamping. And then 8.1%, 154 infants were exposed to umbilical cord milking. Now, there were some baseline characteristics that differed from the three groups. Babies who received immediate cord clamping were younger in terms of their gestational age. They were smaller. They were more likely to be uh, growth restricted. They were more likely to be born to a mother that had limited prenatal care. And they were actually less likely to have received antenatal steroids. And I think that usually makes sense because... Um, it's usually the ones who get immediate cord clamping are sort of the chaotic deliveries where nothing is planned and you're sort of finding yourself in a very tedious situation. So that's not really completely surprising, but it's an important baseline difference between the patients that needs to be highlighted. The primary outcome and the results of the primary outcome is that compared to immediate to immediate cord clamping, delayed cord clamping exposed infants had significantly lower adjusted odds of death or severe NDI. in the delayed cord clamping versus 50% in the immediate cord clamping. So something that was quite significant. By the way, if I I did fail to mention this, this is my bad, what is delayed cord clamping for the purpose of this study is anything above 30 seconds. So if you're doing 30 seconds or 32 seconds, you're good. This still applies to your your patient. I was waiting for you to define it for us. I'm so sorry. Given our recent discussions. I know. I hope Anup is not listening. Uh, (laughs) A statistically significant difference, however, was not observed in the primary outcome for the remaining two comparisons when they looked at uh, umbilical cord milking versus uh, immediate cord clamping or when they looked at delayed versus milking. Remember, the number of babies who had uh, cord milking was quite small. Now, delayed cord clamping exposed infants had significantly lower adjusted odds of death prior to follow-up. Uh, compared with immediate cord clamping infants. So the rates of death before follow-up were 22% in the delayed cord clamping group versus 34% in the immediate uh, uh, cord clamping. 
there were no statistically significant differences in severe uh, neurodevelopmental impairment between the infants exposed to um, delayed versus immediate cord clamping. Um, again, that's right. What we talked about before was death or severe NDI. This is just looking at severe NDI. There were no differences in any of the secondary outcomes comparing umbilical cord milking to immediate cord clamping or delayed cord clamping. The last thing we want to talk about is this mediation analysis with severe IVH. That's something that I was quite eager to uh, to read. But compared with immediate cord clamping, delayed cord clamping directly reduced death or severe NDI with no indirect effect on the primary outcome via severe IVH with an average indirect effect of minus 0.009 and a p-value of 0.52. And there was no statistically significant direct or indirect effect that were found in the remaining comparison. So it doesn't look like, right? It's like delayed cord clamping impacts IVH, and maybe it's the IVH that impacts the neurodevelopment. But on this mediation analysis, which by the way, I hope nobody asks me any more question about what is a mediation analysis. But when I Googled it, I understand the concept. I would not be able to do it. But that's okay. something else I was hoping you were going to define. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. But it is um, it is one of these things, right? It's To me, the way I think about this mediation analysis is the same way we think about surfactant and BPD. So it's like surfactant reduces the amount of RDS, but it doesn't impact BPD because surfactant doesn't have that effect. But if you're minimizing RDS, could you reduce BPD, right? It's that three-step. Um, the conclusion of the study is that it's a large con- contemporary observational study of infants born before 27 weeks of gestation, and that um, delayed cord clamping was associated with improvement in the primary composite outcome of death or severe NDI at 22 to 26 months corrected age compared with immediate cord clamping. The protective effects of delayed cord clamping on death or severe NDI was not mediated by severe IVH. So that's great. (laughs) Yeah, great. Okay. Good good to know. Thank you for listening to The Incubator. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the Apple Podcast website. You can find other episodes of The Incubator and new shows from The Incubator Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app of your choice. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nicupodcast at gmail.com, or by visiting our website, www.the dash incubator.org you can also message the show on instagram or x formerly known as twitter at nicu podcast thanks again for listening and see you next time this podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice if you have any medical concerns please see your primary care practitioner thank you